What up, what up, what up, y'all? This week's episode is sponsored once again by Butter for Every Season. That's Butter for Every Season. Shop ButterForEverySeason.com. This is where you'll find the most luxurious, amazing body butters that will leave your melanin feeling hmm, buttery, I should say. So make sure you shop ButterForEverySeason.com. My girl Misha Beverly with her black-owned and black-operated project, Butter For Every Season. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Once again, that's ButterForEverySeason.com. Go ahead and check them out and uh, let's start the show. Radio. Better than the internet. No reading required. your host young smooth and once again you're tuned into another episode of kicking it with young smooth the podcast where i rant and rave about all of the ratchet and ridiculousness of the week and in addition give y'all some dope ass kick that lyrics some of y'all have definitely participated and i appreciate it and have gotten most of them right um and in addition you can find me on soundcloud itunes tune in youtube music which uh, was originally Google Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Don't forget, for Apple listeners, make sure that you like, rate, and subscribe to the show on your Purple Podcast players. 
And in addition, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. New interviews coming very soon. Got a dope interview coming up with Wish Granite. And a few more that are scheduled throughout the end of this month and all the way until April thus far. Plus, I have some great ventures that are coming up. And as you heard prior in the beginning part of the show, um... Also have a great sponsor, Butterfly Reseason. Love them. Yeah, just got a, well, recently, a couple of weeks ago, got a really nice product that I love. Misha is awesome and amazing and um, can't wait to do more work. Um, just to let anybody know, hey, I love Black-owned and Black-operated um, situations, but anybody that want to do a sponsor is more than welcome. All right, so did you get that? Uh, kick that lyric from last week. The kick that lyric from last week was, of course, Method Man and Mary J. Blige. All I need, one of my favorites. But I got a new one this week. This one is is maybe a little bit harder, but um, this is a big shot in the industry, but was not necessarily a big shot at the time. This album probably was one of, one of the best that I really liked out of the catalog of many. Um, but it was, it was kind of, I think this was an underrated album, but I am going to go ahead and do the kick that lyric in the Kings of the English. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here's a couple of suggestions of how you could finesse it. You find a dude in town. You send him a short message. Say, hey, I'm new in town. I don't know my way around. But I got some soft white that's sure to come back brown. I got that butter all night. Because most niggas don't know a brick from a bite. They keep buying hard white. And if you free tomorrow night, we can meet and discuss price. FYI, I've never been robbed in my life. Or you can find a chick, shit, you hole up in her crib and let her introduce you around town like her man. Shake hands, make friends like it's all innocent. Then before they look up, you selling the town cook up or gorilla pimp. Come up on that killer shit. Take a nigga brick, smack him, then you sell it back to him. Still there, Brooklyn? Alright, this may be an easy one for fans, but I definitely, I love this song. I already hear the beat in my head every single time. Alright, so moving on to Ratchet and Ridiculousness. Ridiculous. Ridiculous day. None of those were real words, but it's fine. <laughs> the notorious B.I.G. documentary, Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell, is coming to Netflix. It was all a dream. I don't have to keep reading like that. <laughs> the story of the notorious, B- I, I just realized I was doing it. The story of the notorious B.I.G. has been told several times, but Netflix explores his rise to stardom in Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell, the first estate-approved document, uh, documentary about the late rap icon. A trailer has been released for the film, which chronicles Christopher Wallace's life from growing up 
the son of a Jamaican immigrant in Brooklyn to developing the groundbreaking rap style that would make him one of the most influential artists of all time. Directed by Emmett Malawi, I think that's how it's pronounced, the 97-minute documentary chronicles Biggie's journey through interviews and commentary for those who knew from those who knew him best, including Mother Valletta Wallace and Sean Diddy Combs, who both serve as executive producers, along with Faith Evans, Little C's, and other members of Biggie's inner circle. They state in an interview, four years in the making, I Got a Story to Tell was first announced in 2017 under the title One More Chance. The running joke about the documentary, uh, the running joke about documentary films is often how long they take to make. This film lived up to all those stereotypes, taking as, uh, taking us four years to develop and make. Maloey told Rolling Stone. He also goes on to say, uh, through those years, we were immersed in Brooklyn in the 70s through the 90s. It's easy to see how much Brooklyn has changed since Christopher Wallace was a kid, but it's also clear that many things about being a young black man in this country have not changed. The film also features rare footage from the archive of of Biggie's childhood and Damien D-Rock Butler. Big um, has always, uh, sorry, Big was always a visionary. There will never be such a crazy time in Brooklyn as the 80s and 90s. Out of great struggle comes great art and music. The Brooklyn kid rapping today wouldn't have the same stories we have to tell, said D-Rock, adding that with the documentary, fans see Big as an artist before he was a rapper. It's been 24 years since the Notorious B.I.G. was killed in a drive-by shooting in Los Angeles in November. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is so super dope. I'm so excited about that. Um, a couple of things that I was thinking about with that is, number one, at first, I will say this. The one thing that I really, really, really was like, I was like, yo... They cannot do another big documentary. Like, there's... We already had the movie. There are hella documentaries. There's There was one on A&E. And a lot of it does talk about the, the life and the death. But I think that Netflix definitely picked a great angle to deal with this. Where it's like his childhood. How he grew up. Um, where... Um, like, of course, where he grew up, how Brooklyn has changed, how Brooklyn influenced the music and, and the sound, how he he's more of an artist than anything else. Like, I, I think all of those things are going to be great. I cannot believe that it's been 24 years. Like, I really can't. Like, for me, it felt like yesterday. I remember, uh, I remember where I was when he got shot. And I remember being like, okay, well, what does that mean? And then I remember that the following September when Pop got shot and I was like, or was it the same September? Something like that. Um, when Pop got shot and I was like, yo, this is crazy. And I remember what I was doing. Actually, it was probably the first time that I got high. Anyway, story for another day. Um, 
but I it's it's funny that this actually came out because I was also planning on trying to do a tribute to Big. Um, I think the last album that we covered, of course, was Ready to Die. So we haven't really gone through the rest of the archive because there are still some, you know, other little things to, to touch on. So... And I want to see how, like, the the critic appeal came to those. So I do have an episode that I will be putting out close to March 9th. And I have a special surprise on it that I'm working on. So that is going to be dope. Cannot wait for the March 9th situation. But yes, uh, and by the way, the documentary comes out March 1st. So looking forward to seeing that. Um March is going to be, March is going to be lit in the first few days. As far as entertainment is concerned, you got... Um, March 1st with Biggie, uh, March 4th is going to be the T.S. Madison experience, which I'm excited to watch that. I don't know how I'm gonna watch it yet. Cause you know, we TV ain't everywhere no more like it used to be, but that that's going to be dope. And then March 5th is coming to America. So it's going to be a lot of great things to watch. Can't wait. Uh, speaking of things to watch and things to watch out for. I'm hoping that the uh, Nicki Minaj documentary comes on HBO Max soon. That should be coming out as well. However, in the meantime, want to send our condolences to Nicki because Nicki, Minaj, Nicki Minaj's father killed in a hit and run. Nicki Minaj's father, Robert Mirage, has died in a hit and run accident. Robert Mirage was walking along a road in Minola, Long Island at 6.15 p.m. Friday, February 12th, when he was struck by a vehicle that kept going, reports the Associated Press. Uh, Noosa County police say the driver fled the scene and witnesses were not able to provide a meaningful description. The 64-year-old Mirage was taken to a local hospital in critical in critical condition where he was pronounced dead Saturday. The homicide squad is investigating the fatal crash and is asking for any witnesses to come forward with information. The, the suspect's vehicle has not been identified. Mirage's sister, Susie, confirmed her brother's passing on Facebook. She states, my heart is so heavy right now. I'm missing my big brother. It's only been less than 24 hours. She wrote over the weekend. This is so hard. You'll, <clears throat> this is so hard. You'll, it hits really, really, I think she meant y'all. I'm sorry. This is so hard, y'all. It really hits hard. It's really bad. He was a victim of a hit and run. Mirage is not. Com, uh, com, oh, Minaj, sorry. <laughs> Minaj has not commented on her dad's death, but a rep for the rapper confirmed the reports according to TMZ. Mirage's sister, Susie, oh, I already broke red hat. Um, Nikki had a complicated relationship with her father, which she spoke about in earlier interviews. There are pictures of them embracing embracing her brother embracing at her brother's wedding in 2015 fans took to social media to pay their respects in the wake of the tragedy um i yeah let me tell you something on this show throughout the last three years i have given nikki shit i have given nikki props um 
I, y'all know I'm a huge fan. Anybody who listens to the show knows I'm a fan. Um, Nikki has given us so much art, so much amazingness, so many wonderful bars and lines and metaphors and all types of stuff. So, um, I honestly want to send condolences out. I know she'll probably never hear this and all of those things. And I get that, but Y'all, right now, one thing I wanted to say, and I was thinking about as I picked this article and read this article out, um, 2021 is starting off with a worse bang than 2020 even started. Like, yes, we got the hell of a surprise in 2020 with the coronavirus and trying to shift the way that we do things. And I, what I'm not excited about and seeing on the news and even seeing from our new president is a lot of people being like oh you know we 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 are we're, we're raring to get back into um into rare form and being back you know back to normal nothing about this is going to be normal for those that have gotten the coronavirus and have survived it nothing about this is going to be normal those that have lost loved ones Yo, you're coming out of losing a loved one that you never really got a chance to say goodbye to. And I mean, like, just now, people are at a point of being able to say goodbye to loved ones. Um, For me, personally, it hit hard. Um, Then on top of it, now that we get to 2021, I mean, people are losing people left and right. And it is just, it is getting harder and harder. And I am working towards making amends and, you know, moving forward as best as possible with any and everybody that I possibly can. So I am working towards that. Um, It is difficult. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. It is definitely difficult. However, um, it's... It's going to be, it is going to be okay. It is going to be okay. I know a lot of us, we've been in this for a whole year. We're stir crazy. Kids are not um, getting the social interaction that they, they actually need. And you don't realize that they need it. They need it. They need it more than any of us because I think it's going to um, build and circle a world that will have millennials and Generation Z or whatever the next generation is that don't that are always going to be on like a totally different page it's one thing when you know like the baby boomers that were before the millennials and that generation had um like a specific time and we were completely changing um and that's one thing but this is going to be completely different the one thing that we that both generations had was at least a level of interaction and we're not quite getting that and nor are we giving that to our children right now at this particular moment so that is something to honestly think about as well i do hope that we're able to move forward but i do recognize that nothing will ever really be the same Speaking of things not being the same, but possibly being the same, because this is nigga shit. It just is. I, I, I scrolled past it originally on my timeline. I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I don't have no choices because y'all niggas just do sh- dumb shit in these streets. Meek Mill and 6 9 face off in heated confrontation. What? Who cares? Meek Mill and 6 9 took their beef to social media. Uh, from social media to the streets. The rap rivals nearly came to blows on Sunday morning, February 14th in Atlanta. Meek was getting in his car while leaving a nightclub. Why are you leaving a nightclub? 
sir, sir. We so what we saying is that the coronavirus don't affect celebrities. Oh, but it does. Ask Trey Songs, ask Shanti. Anyway, um, when Takashi appeared and verbally assaulted him in the video obtained by TMZ, both rappers and their security can be heard screaming at each other. Takashi attempts to get in Meek's face while flaming a heated con- uh, uh, confronting uh, flaming the heated confrontation on his phone filming sorry the trolls rapper continues to hurl insults at Meek and even accusing him of walking with law enforcement and you with the police yeah I had to say it like that it's just, it was unnecessary <laughs> Takashi tells him during the melee, he also seemingly quotes Poo Shiesty. I don't know who the hell that is. Back in blood, bitch. I got my own fire. Don't need security in the club. Says six nine. Why are both of y'all in the club? Let's just start there. What what part of sat your ass down? Don't we don't understand? I already have said this. Their beef continued on social media with Takashi writing, "Stop letting these rappers lie to you. They not tough. For, they not tough for security at Meek Mill. Oh, he added them running around with police. According, hmm. According to Meek, their run-in was no accident, and 6ix9ine waited outside the club for him and just popped out. 6ix9ine waited outside the club for me, and they trying to get us. What the fuck? He's... <laughs> the us was a lot of S's, so it was like, us. What the fuck? He tweeted, We did not run into each other. I was getting in my car, and he just popped out. We almost was smoking on that six nine pack for the love of a viral moment. He trying to get something locked up. He trying to get something locked up. No cap. LOL. What the fuck is funny about that? Meek claims six nine was trying to get him arrested and that he spit on him during the scuffle. Mm-hmm. The feds. I, I'm. I'm. Because I mean, y'all know I'm about to go in. The feds sent him to take me out what the f- what the fuck he added had to spit on him so he retreated lol he finally waited outside the club for me i thought i was dreaming what the fuck we almost smoked him lol he posed a little threat popping up in the parking lot waiting for me the two have a history of beef and exchange words in the past, but this is the first time that they've gone face to face. Meek called Takashi a rat for cooperating with the FBI and snitching on num on members of the Nine Trey Gangster Bloods, while Six Nine has frequently trolled the Philly rapper on social media. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Couple things, couple things. Just a few, just a little bit, just something real quick. Very confused, don't understand. Number one, why the fuck is y'all in the fucking club? What is what is going on? Why we keep doing this? Number two, me, don't you got a whole new baby? You be, you be worried about the wrong shit. Niggas and worried about the wrong shit. Yo, niggas is dropping 
dead out of nowhere, my nigga. And y'all sitting here worried about who told what on the FBI or who because of what gang and this, that, and the third, and the colors. Colors. Like, bitch, what the fuck? Y'all got to be the dumbest motherfuckers. I, I, I promise you. Other than maybe dreams and nightmares, I can't listen to Meek Mill like that anyway. I really can't, to be honest with you. I'm tired of both of y'all yelling ass bastards yelling at on all your motherfucking tracks. The shit is fucking ridiculous. Six Nines music is fucking garbage, of course. And I actually, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I've said it on the show, I tried to like it. It gave me like an onyx feel with something very different. I promise you, if the boy didn't have all this controversy and all and the colorful hair and all the bullshit, I promise you niggas could have fucked with it we could have fucked with it but we can't because it's stupid and it don't make no fucking sense y'all are grown ass men worried about nothing you have money you worried about why niggas snitch to get out of jail nigga that ain't none of your motherfucking business like yo what what part of this do why why do y'all keep having beef why what is the point? I never understood that on rich niggas. Yo, if I'm getting money, your little ass problems don't mean nothing to me. It don't mean nothing to me. If y'all out here getting as much money as you claim that you're getting, there's a lot of claiming that you are receiving, then it makes no motherfucking difference. Get y'all shit together, yo. I don't like that. I don't like it. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. And I think it's dumb when niggas be like, oh, this nigga ratted. That, that, that. What difference does, are you, are you, here's the question. What difference does it make? Does that mean that you claiming that set? Are you mad because this nigga told on, some, on somebody in your set that you know? I mean, because at that point you actually kind of, you're kind of telling on yourself. Like, I don't understand though, like. I, I don't get that. And, and and it could be because I ain't a hood nigga. I ain't never been a hood nigga. I don't give a fuck about the shit. It don't make me no never mind. All I'm worried about is trying to pay my motherfucking bills and my motherfucking taxes. Why, for the life of me, y'all rich niggas have unnecessary problems? What part of that is it? Did he threaten your baby? Now, uh, uh, all jokes aside, the spitting shit, that shit gotta stop. I don't give a fuck who you are. If you have to spit on, you so mad that you have to spit on somebody, you a trifling, dirty, gutter butt, come guzzling ass bitch. Like, there should be no reason that you take and spit out of your, spit mucus, mucus out of your motherfucking mouth and try to put it on somebody else. You a whole punk ass bitch for that, no matter who you are. I don't give a fuck. I think that's the dirtiest, trifling, disgusting ass shit. Don't do it in my motherfucking vicinity because now I'm going to fight you. Because that shit is fucking disgusting. It is disgusting. The germs, the level of dirt that's in your motherfucking dirty ass, non-brushing teeth, motherfucking veneer ass mouth. I don't, golds in your motherfucking mouth, you dirty bitch. I don't like the shit. I don't like the shit. I don't know if y'all can tell, but I don't like the shit. Speaking of other shit that I don't like. Justin Timberlake apologized to Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, and uh, um, uh, all amidst backlash. Justin Timberlake, it's a little bit too late. It's too late to apologize. Just like One Direction from your mentor, uh, Timberland. It's too late to apologize for a couple of motherfucking reasons, nigga. But we're going to get into those in a quick second because ain't nobody got time 
for this. Ain't nobody got time for this. I'm sorry, my foot is like trapped in a cord. So if it sounds like I'm struggling, it's because my fat ass is. Okay, hold that thought. I'm like, I, I didn't even know how my... <laughs> it was the core for my headphones. I was like, I don't even know how the hell I got trapped in it. All right. Timberlake is breaking his silence. What the fuck? Following the criticism he received surrounding the Britney Spears documentary, Framing Britney Spears, and Janet Jackson Appreciation Day, the pop superstar has responded to renewed accusations of sexism and misogyny over his treatment of his ex-girlfriend Spears and the way he handled the fallout of the controversial Super Bowl performance. Let's put a pin in that real quick. We're going to come back to Justin, but one of the other things, I have not watched it yet and I've heard pray tell. Yo, I feel like Chris Crockett. Yo, leave Britney alone, y'all. Like, yo, this girl has... Yo, we have ate and consumed this girl up. I don't like. I don't particularly care for for Britney no more. I don't really listen like to none of her music, like to anything that wasn't popular. You know what I'm saying at the time. Like I like I like Toxic and Slave for You and you know all of, all of the rest of the stuff that was popular in the late '90s and early 2000s. And I love it. I do. However. We can we completely, completely destroy Britney Spears. The the level of fame and people needing to know everything and like yo, we think that this part of social of social media and and all of that and everybody having an opinion is bad. It was even worse when paparazzi paparazzi would do things that would invade her privacy and not even care. Like nobody really cared about that girl. And down to her parents and the way that they control her money and her image and all of those things. Nobody really cared about this girl. And she handled it. She handled that shit with some dignity. She took that shit like a G. So it's Britney, bitch. It's always Britney. Fuck out of here. Timberlake and Spears dated for uh for four years before splitting in 2002. Framing Britney Spears reveal Timberlake's attempt to control the media narrative after their breakup, shaming her in order to prevent his, uh, to benefit his career. At the time, Timberlake said that he had slept with Spears while she claimed she was waiting until marriage. He also instituted that she, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry. He, yeah, can't talk today. He also insinuated that she cheated on him in his 2002 video, Crimea River. After the wardrobe malfunction in 2004 Super Bowl halftime show, where Timberlake exposed Janet's breasts, both artists apologized. However, Jackson bore the brunt of the criticism and suffered severe consequences, including being backlashed blacklisted, I'm sorry, by Viacom while Timberlake's career thrived. Amid the the backlash, Timberlake took to Instagram to issue an apology on both women and own his mistake. I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. I'm deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. 
I understand that I fell short in these moments and in many others and benefited from a system of um, of uh, continent's misogyny, misogyny and racism, he wrote. I specifically want to apologize to Janet Jackson and Britney Spears both individually because I care for and respect these women and I know I failed. I also feel compelled to respond in part because everyone involved deserved better and most importantly because this is a larger conversation that I wholeheartedly want to be a part of and grow from. He continued to acknowledge his, his privilege as a white man. The industry, he quotes, the industry is flawed as it sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed this way. As a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this because of my ignorance. I didn't recognize it for all that it was while it was happening in my own life, but I do not want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. I have not been perfect in navigating all of this throughout my career. I know this apology is the first step and doesn't absolve the past. In closing, he vowed to do better. I want to take accountability for my own missteps in all of this, as well as be part of a world that uplifts and supports. I care deeply about the well-being of the people I love and have loved. I can do better and will do better. Well, thank you for your PR agent saying that. Now, I ain't trying to be bitter or whatever, and I'm not trying to be the person to be like, that's some bullshit, whatever, whatever. But it is some bullshit. It is. It is. It is complete and utter bullshit. Um, and it is a little bit too late because number one, Justin, you got a chance to go back to the Super Bowl. You did a Prince tribute, which was fucking horrible. And everybody was like, what the hell is this? And you know, without that black dollar, you can't make it. And, and let's be clear. Once you got like NSYNC started getting, um, so uh, like towards the the end of the breakup, and when Justin was uh, uh, about to go solo, their sound kind of shifted a little bit more to a urban R and B, especially with songs like "Gone," um, and not even really "Bye Bye Bye" so much, but definitely "Gone." "Gone" was definitely more of an R and B feel, which had Justin led at the helm. Okay, cool, no problem. Justified also had like Timbaland, had Pharrell, so on and so forth. Okay, cool. Everybody like that sound. And this is what we do as black folk, and we do this quite frequently and quite often. We automatically invited this motherfucker to the cookout. Okay, so he cool. He good. Oh, this ain't bad. Da, da, da. I ain't, One would say, well, Troy, didn't you just, and literally an episode ago, didn't you just praise Future Sex Love Sound? Yes, yes, absolutely. I really did. And I still, to this day, think that Justified... Um, Future Sex Love Sounds and the 2020 Experiment. Like, I think they're, they're all great albums. I really do. I think Mirrors was, was an excellent song. But I, what I realized is that Justin does try to play on the black dollar. Justin does try to play on an emotional string. Justin could have said this years ago. Years ago. And he never did. The only reason that you're saying it now is because what you used in that apology, and I had a conversation with, with somebody about this as well, was the money words. People love and worship the money words. The money words are like uh, depression or um, anxiety um, or uh, privilege. 
You know what I'm saying too? It's like you don't you don't know. Now I'm not gonna say as a white man that he knew about his privilege because most white people don't quite know about their privilege. They they think that their world is just their world and that's the only world that they're in. And I think that black people also do do not know their privilege as black people and what we contribute to this country alone. I believe that. However, Justin Timberlake in general uses completely 100% uses the black dollar to his privilege to make his money. And we almost have to say that it's wrong. Like, I feel like if he has another project and his project now goes back to the basics of him dealing with like Timbaland and Pharrell and so on and so forth. Because his, um, what was it? It was called the, um, Man of the Woods or Man in the Woods or something like that. That Man of the Woods CD did not do well at all. It didn't. It didn't give us the Justin that we loved, and and it just it just didn't. It, it wasn't it wasn't any of that. But also Pharrell, Timbaland, you know, Swiss Beats, all of the rest of the people were not at the helm of doing this. If they do it again, um, if they end up doing it for whatever his new album is supposed to be, and I believe, I honestly believe that there's another album in the works. So this apology was utterly necessary because people wouldn't are not going to live it down, yo. Furthermore, the Britney Spears situation, and I feel like I have a lot of opinions on this because I just, I, I really had to like digest it. The Britney Spears, uh, opinion of it all. Um, sir, you left that girl out to dry and you lied on her. You lied on your dick. Like you lied on your dick. You lied on her pussy. Like you lied. You told people, you uh, you allowed people to paint a narrative about her. You lied about, and even if I'm not mistaken, they talked about you lied about when you had sex with her. And then the fact that it mattered that you're such an arrogant asshole that you thought it was okay to talk about your sex life. Because that was what we were as the media. We were super fucking hungry to know everything about their details. When they shat, when they ate, when they drank, where they getting high, who they were fucking. Like, none of that makes anything better so I, as great as this apology is as well written as the apology is thanks to your PR agent because you did not write this as great as that is written it is actually a little too late now one would say well would you buy a Justin Timberlake album P- maybe maybe possibility and, and more so than more so than not yes I probably would but that's only if the music was bumping though because like I bought justified and i bought um the future sex love sound and i bought the um actually i did i downloaded i'll rephrase it because i didn't buy the other one i didn't buy the 2020 experience but i did download and i also downloaded man of the woods because i'm like oh it's justin he backed this that and the third absolutely horrible 100 percent. it was not a great album i don't even know how critically acclaimed it was and don't even remember what the first single off of that was because i can at least think about mirrors for the 2020 experience i can at least think about when he was on magna carta holy grail for jay-z's album so i i I just really don't i I really am tired of these late ass apologies this this late ass because you let a Black woman that you say that you admire, you idolize, so on and so forth. One of the the queens of our legendary R&B family. You left her out to dry. And Viacom, you, you, you let 
you allowed them to do whatever. One of the main things that I, I don't like, and this may eventually one day never get me booked to do Viacom or speak anywhere or do anything of that nature. The one thing that I don't like about Viacom, I think that Viacom holds entirely too many cards. And nobody wants to say anything, and nobody will, because, of course, everybody wants to get their check. And I'm not saying in a negative way to to discourage Viacom or be like, oh, this is horrible to stay in the third. And anybody can take those words and twist them however they choose, because they probably will. But Viacom is a, um, is way, way too big. It's way too big. And it is in literally everything. It is in literally everything that you watch. It's a subsidiary, you know, and we kind of touched on this last time. And it, because we touched on it with the Nick Cannon situation last week. Like, yo, Nick had to jump through hoops for an apology via Viacom. Justin did not have to do that. Justin didn't have to jump through hoops because keep in mind, he was able to go back to the Super Bowl only a few short years later. So, what, uh, I think, what, that was 2004 Super Bowl. He probably went back, I want to say, maybe about 2011-ish, something something like that, 11, 12-ish, whatever, to go ahead and perform again. He didn't have to make public apologies and statements. You just made them. So... I feel like it's a little bit too late. Like like I said, Viacom is a distribution company. So it definitely does a little bit of everything. Anyway, moving on. DMX, Reddy's new album featuring Pop Smoke collaboration. I'm here for this. I'm excited. I'm going to read the article and then tell y'all why, why I'm so excited, Jesus. I'm excited. Ooh, I hit, oh, I hit that. Um... I just want to tell y'all why I'm excited. It's so good. DMX is back in album mode. The Yonkers rapper, rap icon, get it right, is readying his first album in nearly nine years during an interview with Nori for an upcoming episode of Drink Champs podcast. X (laughs) confirmed that the project will feature a couple rappers from a new, from the new generation, including Pop Smoke. So, quote, the question is, what, that's what type of new I'm doing, said DMX, who went, uh, who met the late Brooklyn rapper, but acknowledged their similarities. Uh, I growl and everything. I guess it was just a coincidence. Uh, I should have read that the way I was going to. I'm going to read up. I was going to be like, hell no. Not going to do it. Um... (laughs) I well, I shouldn't do that. That's unnecessary. Uh, Nori joked that Pop Smoke is what you would get if DMX and Fifty Cent had a baby. X responded, but he would be he would have to, but he would have the baby. It would be ours, but it would be him having it. That's unnecessary. DMX also revealed that his long-awaited album will feature Griselda Records um, on their own Benny the Butcher. Yes! Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine, which I've never heard of him, and West Side Gun. I've never heard of them either, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. And if anybody else that listens to it, let me know. 
X's latest studio album, Undisputed, was released in September two, uh, 2012. Back in 2019, he signed a new deal with Def Jam where he released five albums, including his 2008 debut as Dark and Hell is Hot. Ah, I think, matter of fact, we might be going over that one again as well. I don't know. I did Flesh in My Flesh, Blood in My Blood. We might be going over that. Yeah. He also been in the studio with frequent collaborator Swiss Beats, who confirmed the Def Jam singing uh, signing during the interview with Breakfast Club. Just re-signed, so it's going to be a good year for him. God willing. Yes, please. <laughs> he said... I just wanted to happen so he can go to where he been where he been supposed to have went where he been supposed to have went. What a sentence! Okay, so let me tell y'all why I'm super excited. Let me tell you why I'm super excited. I want DMX to come back with a vengeance. I want. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think that we're gonna get the X of yesteryear. Okay. Um, the reason that I don't feel that we're going to get the ex of yesteryear is because I don't think his pain is as fresh as it was originally back in like the nineties. You know what I'm saying too? And his hunger is still there. Granted, his hunger is definitely there. We know that, but I don't think that the, the, that we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to capture that moment again. Um, I think people are counting him out after the verses, especially towards the end of that verses with him and Snoop, where it was kind of like, yo, they, um, um, he asked him to freestyle and X really couldn't get there. It was very Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. You know what I'm saying? It was very much so that. Um, but... I think that this is going to be good. So, the locks living off of experience, which again, y'all know, is my shit. Um, About shit had DMX on it, and it definitely gave him that that comeback. And there's a video for it. Um, I think if X works super hard, get his body back together, just like Buster did, because Buster got his body together. Buster looks amazing. Buster's out here killing it. You know what I'm saying to you? Especially, I love the uh, the BBD. Um, track that that he has with the the poison track and the video for all of that, and he's had hella great videos right now that have come out. It would be, I would say, um, if DMX's album hits me the way it it does, my top hip hop albums right now that have come into fruition for me are Nas's King's Disease, um. The Locks Living Off Experience and Busta Rhymes um, Extinction Level Event 2 have all th- all three of them have been a smash. If I can get a fourth smash between 2020 and 2021, I, that would make me rap happy. I'd be so super, super, super fucking happy. Um, so yeah, we just can't wait and see. And I, and I definitely, definitely want to hear this song with him and Pop Smoke. It is so funny that he was like yo if if 50 and dmx had a baby i thought about that i have thought about that for a long time i was like when i first got introduced to pop smoke so the first time that i got introduced to pop smoke i got uh introduced to pop smoke of course via my girl via nikki because of the welcome to the party now she was on the welcome to the party remix and i was like oh but who is this? This is one of the only times I have ever, 
ever access. And this is why I really would have thought that this boy would have been doing some amazing shit. Nikki bodies a lot of people on her on her collabs. But this was the first time that I listened to a new generation rapper and was like, oh, hold up. Who this? Like, who the guy? Like, because I think in, in uh, Welcome to the Party, her verse came first. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, who the guy? And I had never heard it. And I started getting into it. And I like, I actually, yo, I like Pop Smoke. I think Pop Smoke is the dopest. I wish that we could get more from him. I really do. I really wish we could have. But unfortunately, we cannot. Um, but once again, now this concludes Ratchet and Ridiculousness. Let's go ahead and take a break. And uh, we will be right back with the album. Let's go. All right, y'all. wanted to take a quick break to remind you to check out, once again, that's Butter for Every Season. Butterforeveryseason.com. Go to Butter for Every Season to get your amazing, luxurious body butters that'll make you feel what? Buttery. So can't wait for you guys to get your hands on it. Um, like I said, I have a few of the products. I actually, I feel like I have a lot of the line. I don't have the new winter line, but there are definitely new things coming uh, every season. So once again, check out my girl Misha Beverly at Butter for Every Season with her black-owned, black-operated project. Butter for Every Season, winter, spring, summer, fall. Once again, that's ButterForEverySeason.com. Go ahead and check them out, and uh, let's get back to the show. Peace. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, we back. Yeah, we back. Yeah, we back. What up, what up, what up, though? Y'all. <laughs> I had to go back in my R&B bag, and this is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite albums. This is actually one of my favorite albums that I can listen to from beginning to end. When I tell you beginning to end like I really don't have to skip and I actually might be bumping this tomorrow I or well, actually I probably will bump it like after I um get off of doing this but I definitely will be bumping it again tomorrow and from the title you already know what it is it is Mary J Blige share my world let me get it <clears throat> share my world don't you leave <laughs> I gotta get it to y'all <laughs> I feel y'all judging me. Um, so, yo, and this gave us the iconic, uh, the most iconic, which was I Can Love You. Mm, 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 mm. And then it's, you know, of course, everybody loves the, if I told you once, I told you twice. QB, throw the booty like a groupie for more ice, hummer truck ice. Get the bonus like the Rouché. In love with you since the days that you say. Now I watch you play Columbo, Picasso. Tricks aside, Colossal, turn your castles to brothels, uh. Who you loving, who you want to be hugging? Dipping on your ninja Honda with Tanisha and Rhonda. What? That's all I can give you. I'm not trying to get copyrighted. Um, <laughs> but yes. An amazing, amazing fucking album. Just and, and it actually has a song on here by R. Kelly, which I, I'm actually not mad at. So, again, loving, gushing over this album. This is one of my fucking babes. Share My World is the third studio album by American R&B singer-songwriter Mary J. Blige, released by MCA Records on Earth Day, April 22nd, 1997. The album became Blige's first to open at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 album charts. 
Moreover, it was her first album where she serves as executive producer alongside Steve Stout, who also shared executive producer credits on the album. Guest appearances are made by hip-hop and R&B stars such as Little Kim, Nas, The Locks, George Benson, Roy Ayers, and R. Kelly. The uh, the album w- was released to general positive reviews from most music critics and earned Blige numerous accolades and nominations, according uh, I'm sorry, including a Grammy Award nomination for Best R&B Album in 1998. The album became her first to chart in the top 10 international, including Canada, Sweden, and the UK, while it earned the top 40 in countries such as New Zealand, Germany, and France. It is certified triple platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America, which we all know as the RIAA, for excess over 3 million copies sold in the U.S. So let's go back to a little background. Let's rewind. Share my world marked several personal and professional changes in Blige's life and career. Following the departure of label head Andre Harrell, rest in peace, that is still so sad, the year before, Blige defected from Uptown Records in favor for MCA part, uh, parent. Meanwhile, she served... Uh, she severed professional ties with longtime producer and manager and mentor Sean Puffy Combs shortly before the production of Share My World began. His absence was filled with a bevy of high-profile producers such as Rodney Jerkins, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Babyface, Bryce uh, Wilson, and R. Kelly. It always ends R. Kelly at the end. The end result product... And, uh, produced an album that was less uh, entered, entrenched in the hip-hop soul of her first two albums and replaced with a style that was more aligned with R&B. During the making and run of her second album, My Life, in 1994, Blige had reportedly experienced clinical depression while also battling drug and alcohol addiction and enduring an... A, often turbulent relationship with Casey Hiley of uh, Jodeci, all of which heavily influenced the dark mood of the album in the late uh, in late 1996. However, Blige reportedly made a uh, concrete effort to clean up her life and subsequently, uh, found herself in more positive frame of mind while recording Share My World, which influenced the album's noticeably lighter mood. I ain't gonna lie, I guess that would be it. it I guess that is true. Yeah, what's the four one? What's the four one was a little bit more like bouncy, of course, but um, and my life definitely was more bluesier with the urban hip hop R and B kind of feel. But yeah, Share My World definitely was so much lighter. It, it was. But it, it still didn't, it still had its grit though. Like I feel like this album still had its grit. Um, It still had its love ballad. And it really produced a lot of great tracks that when I say them, you're going to be like, oh shit, I do remember that. Critical reception. All right. So 
uh, Alex Henderson of All Music wrote in his review her strongest and most confident effort up to the up to that point. Cher had much more character, personality, and honesty than most of the assembly line fair dimensions urban radio in 1997 for all their slickness emotive cuts like get to know you better love is all we need and keep your head up all great songs left no doubt that blige was indeed a singer of death and depth and substance although high-tech the production of everyone from R. Kelly with whom she uh, duets on um, on the inviting it's on oh god I love that song I do I do and, and y'all know how I feel about R. Kelly like I, I I'm here's the thing I'm actually like at this point starting to kind of feel sorry for R. Kelly at this point so I'm like you know <laughs> it just is what it is but the man made some amazing music and it's on is amazing. And the one great thing that I love about this album is I can say every, this is how much I really listen to the album. I can say every song's title and literally the second I say it, I can hear it. All right. And Babyface to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis doesn't come across as forced or robotic, but in fact is impressively organic um, Ernest Hardy of Rolling Stone commended Blige's transition from uh, sound to singing, writing to that share that on Share My World, even Blige, uh, sorry, quote, on Share My World, even Blige, um, Blige's harshest critics will have to concede that she's moved beyond sound to real singing. Listen to Seven Days. Oh my gosh. See, I already even just heard this start in my head. Missing you. I'm not in love. <laughs> and it's just some kind of thing I'm going through. Yes! And the already classic Not Gonna Cry, also on the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. And you hear Blige's signature uh, ache married to newfound technique. There's shading, depth, and control in her voice now. Steve Jones of USA Today said, The songs run the usual gamut of love themes, but it's Blige's powerful emotional deliveries and street sensibility that separate her from the concept. Village Voice critics Robert, I'm a butcher this, but it's Chris, Chris Dog. Chris Dog maybe, said Blige is a diva for her own times. As uh, as befits her hip-hop um, roots, she's even soft in... She's even soft if often vulnerable and has benefits her hip-hop aesthetic. She plays her natural voice cadence for uh, melodious signatures and sometimes hooks. She redefines the New York accent of the 90s and she's taken two straight follow-ups to the next level. So all in all, this album was definitely critically 
acclaim. Like Rolling Stone album guide 2004, the record displayed Blige's hit song Savvy, but fewer memorable performances. That is that is completely wrong. I'm sorry. I think this album right here was one of the quintessential. If anyone asks me, if you ever ask me out of Mary's catalog, which albums really resonated with me, number one, and I'm going to also do this one, and I'm probably not going to do it next week because I kind of put it in a list of it. Um, I'm sorry, I probably won't do this one. I might switch it up. I don't know. But Mary, the Mary album, the Mary album, you can cut the bullshit. All the rest of the albums that were prior to this, no, 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 no. The Mary album is the quintessential album, okay? Like, she was vulnerable, it was raw, it was it was real. And I even like the album cover. The album cover had no makeup, showed the scar on her face, all of that. Like, I think that, that album just soared above all the rest of them. Um... Share My World also is, is the, is the close second. Um, I, again, at the time, Share My World was the first, but it definitely is the close second. Um, No More Drama was in it. I loved that album too. That was really good. Um, My Life Will Always Be Up There for Me. What's the full one was great, but I mean, that was when, she, you know, Mary first came out, but, um, that was that was it and I, I just, just like I love the rest of the stuff I, I do feel like when she got with like Ken do like and she was happy for a moment I ain't gonna lie Mary is one of those artists no junk no soul so if something tragic is not going on in her life it doesn't it doesn't resonate in the music but love love this album please make sure y'all go take a listen to share my world so share my world has music and the you have the first intro by Tone and Poke. Oh, everybody loves Tone and Poke. Um, I Can Love You, which has Little Kim on it. Um, Love Is All We Need featuring Nas. Round and Round, Share My World Interlude, Share My World, Seven Days, which had George Benson on it. And there's actually an extended Share My Days, Share um, Seven Days as well. Um, it's on featuring R. Kelly. Thank you, Lord Interlude, which also featured Kelly Price and Rodney Jerkins. Um, Missing You, which was a babyface producer record. Everything, um, which, again, had so many people on there and also was produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Um, Keep Your Head Up. Well, Keep keep Your Head. Um, which also has her and her sister in in there as well um can't get you all out of my um, off of my mind which features the locks which was awesome uh get to know you better uh searching which featured roy Ayers, our love which is amazing and then not gonna cry which of course is everybody's favorite um, and then on the UK bonus track was You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, which was the the remake, the recut from Aretha Franklin. So some of the samples, because we got to salute the sample. Shout out to Rock the Bells, because when they salute the sample, it makes me happy every time. I got I to gotta listen to that. I haven't listened to that in a minute. Everything contains a sample of You Are Everything, as performed by the stylistics, the payback, as performed by James Brown, and Super. Sakai's, I don't remember this one, as performed by A Taste of Honey. Um, 
get to know you better contains interlutations of my Sharia Moore as performed by Stevie Wonder. I Can Love You contains samples of Queen Bitch as performed by Little Kim. Love Is All We Need contains samples of Moonchild as performed by Rick James. Round and Round contains samples of Go Back Home as performed by Alan Toussaint. And Share My World contains in interlutations of Share My World by DeBarge. So, all in all, an amazing, 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 amazing goddamn album. Love this album to death. Um, I can I can listen to it, like I said, on repeat, like nobody's business. Um, so that's been another great episode of Kicking It with Young Smooth. I really appreciate it. I love for all of y'all that definitely tune in. Don't forget you can also download these as well and you know go back and listen at any time. I really do appreciate it. Check me out on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Music, which is now YouTube Music, along with the Google Podcast Player and your Purple Podcast Player for i uh, for iPhone listeners as well. Spotify, and don't forget the YouTube show. Uh, coming up on the... Let's see how this list pan- pans out, because there is a list of artists and people that are coming up. Um, or should I make y'all wait? All right, I'm going to make y'all wait. I'm going to make y'all wait for that. However, uh, the 26th of this month, I will be doing an interview with Wish Granite on the YouTube page by the same name, Kicking It With Young Smooth Podcast. So make sure y'all check that out. That will be a live interview starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This boy is dope. He's been on the show before. So it is going to be an amazing time. Make sure y'all check that out. Make sure y'all also check out the sponsor, Butterfly Every Season. Love that product. Use it. It is amazing. Keep that melanin looking good. Y'all wonder why I'm 37 and I look like I'm 28. Don't judge my life, okay? <laughs> that water and uh, fish oil, don't, uh, it, it works. Uh, vitamin E and D as well. And um, goalie gummies. So <laughs> all of these things get included. Make me feel like I look young. I just need to lose this weight. And then y'all bitch, you know what I'm saying? Y'all motherfuckers ain't gonna be ready shouting at me. <laughs> you did. All right, so fear. False evidence appearing real. It's only real in your mind if you make it real in your mind. Mary is a prime example of overcoming, conquering, you know, continuously doing well, even when even when the odds are stacked against you. Like, yo, from even at this point, people fail to realize, like, yo, she didn't even have her GED. You feel what I'm saying to you? Like, this was straight, she was straight music all the time. So I am thoroughly thoroughly just proud of mary um i actually got into power it's weird and I, i'm gonna wrap this up because i know it's running a little bit long but i didn't get into power until the new power book for real for real and here's the thing y'all niggas spoiled the first power for me anyway so i was like okay whatever i already knew what it meant what every who all the characters were because i started watching it in the beginning but then after a couple of seasons it was like nah i ain't fucking with it no more but i do think that Mary is now a new iconic fixture as Monet and I'm like yo I like it I like this character I like where she's going I like what she's doing so super super excited very proud Mary means everything to me like there I know there are a lot of women that uh that love Mary but Mary means everything to me and lastly um y'all know I went to the that was probably one of my that was that was the last concert was the Mary and Nas concert bruh 
It was it was everything. Uh, although Mary, I know you getting older now, sugar. I appreciate you, but uh, we did we have to sing everything. Goddamn, I was tired of singing my damn self. Shit, I ain't even get paid for it. Um, but yes. So once again, you tuned into another episode of Kicking It with Young Smooth. Now, don't you feel better about it? <laughs> All right, I know you do. All right, y'all. I check y'all out next week. Peace.